Welcome to this special edition episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We see them probably more than the head coach will see them. Um, and that's a really big piece. And so we have to make sure that when we're discussing with them, you know, any life lessons or coaching them on a daily basis, that we're bringing uh, positivity and, and really a growth mindset for them as well, too. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes, too, uh, recruiting visits get me a little excited because you get to meet their parents, and you get to meet their family and understand that it's not all just about athletics. Um, it's about, you know, people growing overall throughout their own lives and understanding that these parents are trusting us to take care of their kids as much as possible and help them out as much as possible, too. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today is a special Gatorade Performance Partner Collaboration episode. We have two awesome guests, one who you probably know very well, the original host of the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Scott Caulfield. Coming to us now as the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Norwich University. Scott, nice having you back. Thanks. Great to be here. Our second guest is Connor Agnew, who is also now on the East Coast as the Director of Basketball Performance at Appalachian State University, where he works with both the men's and women's basketball teams. Connor, awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you. I've been a longtime listener, so I really appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate that. Today's episode focuses on two very important areas for strength and conditioning coaches, mentorship and mental health. We're going to talk about these important areas for the strength and conditioning field and specifically the importance of building a strong support system to better navigate your coaching career. Connor, I'm excited to get to know you a bit more. Let's kick this episode off with your background in the strength and conditioning field and some of the key mentors and milestones that you've experienced? Absolutely. So um, I initially got interested in strength and conditioning. I think like a lot of strength coaches, I wasn't very athletic and I found out that the weight room was going to help me out a ton throughout my career. So uh, I initially played football, track and field and wrestling, and, and um, I got really invested in the weight room from there. And then I went to Temple University for exercise science. And I started my first internship at University of Pennsylvania. Um, and then from there, I did a summer training camp with the New York Jets. And then I went to University of Tennessee to get my master's degree. And I worked with uh, both football and Olympic sports there and then transitioned to Texas Tech and then now at App State. Um, my biggest mentors, you know, I have a, a couple um, and I have a few that may have a few choice words for me for not mentioning them on this podcast. But uh, the two biggest would definitely be Dan Worth, uh, who's the director of Olympic strength and conditioning at University of Tennessee, um, and Darby Rich, who is the men's basketball strength and conditioning coach at Texas Tech. Both of those guys have been, you know, massive parts of my career and have really helped me through some tough times. So I really appreciate everything that they've done for me. That's awesome. Like hearing that multi-sport background and now you're working on the basketball side, but you really can pull from a lot of different areas there. Scott, in your longtime role at the NSCA, you've had the opportunity to meet thousands of coaches across the profession. Speak to some of your mentors, how these relationships have evolved for you across different types of roles that you've had. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I've been super fortunate, I feel like, to have the people that I've connected with. I mean, I look at a lot of the kind of 
early on mentors like and and why I wanted to get involved in the NSCA honestly was people that I met through the through the organization you know really stepped up from the day that I met them and offered you know different uh, types of mentorship whether it be advice or just support or like showing me how it's done I mean one of the first people I ever met in the organization uh, I went back in the day the NSC used to do these symposiums at at different sites so there was uh you know it's like essentials of strength training conditioning in new york city and that was one of the first ones i ever went to back in the day in the early 2000s and uh doug lentz who's one of our you know longtime conference workers was there and mike barnes who was actually the education director of the nsca at the time was there um and i just remember you know them talking shop with me and just being super willing and you know I was like hey could I send you a program sometime and they were like absolutely you know send it I'll check it out give you some feedback um, and just that was the first initial like experience for me with the organization and then going to another conference you know six months or a year later and and they remembered me and remembered my name and they were like, you know, it's great to see you here. And they, they told you, you know, Hey, go to this session or go see this coach, you know? So that kind of initial, that was really initially like the kind of experience and relationship that I got from the NSCA, as I call it, people that I associated with it. Um, and, you know, being at the headquarters and we and being around so many different people, that was the coolest thing of having that reach of the organization when you're at the headquarters. But you know, I was also there at a time and I feel super fortunate that, you know, Boyd Upley, who founded the organization, came back to work there when I was, you know, he was actually there before I got there. Um, so when I went there, he was, you know, in the building every day and he became a huge mentor for me um, and not in not ex exactly in like X's and O's like, um, you know, I learned we talked plenty strength conditioning, but like I learned more from Boyd like and we we worked out together for a few years so I was we were training partners which was awesome I mean getting to work out with the guy that founded the organization is just unbelievable but we had talks about everything like he told me stories about how they did things and he was talking about like administrative things and like management things and supervisory things nothing under the sun necessarily about how to squat or how to bench or how to program athletic programming it was all the other things that you don't get a lot of you know mentorship on sometimes and so that was invaluable to have Boyd you know kind of and and I think he was at that time really helping you know we were kind of guiding we we're trying to get people trying to get strength coaches back to the organization and, and he was saying you know you need to be the person out there meeting more coaches and talking more coaches and, you know, letting them know that the NSCA is for strength conditioning coaches. So he was huge about that. And uh, we were just making fun of my good buddy, Joe Ken, before we started uh, recording. So luckily we won't play that part, but uh, you know, he's been someone who I'm, who I looked up to, you know, coming into that role. And then through my evolution of my job at the NSCA, we've become super tight and I consider him a huge mentor. I, you know, I called him uh, and talked to him before I took this position at Norwich. Like he was one of my biggest like sounding boards, like as I looked at the career moves and now like anything, you know, related to my 
day to day, big picture stuff. I have no, no problem like texting him or calling him and he does the same for me. You know, we get together like at national uh, and, and go train at Westside West Bank Athletic Club. I mean, you know, so it's been a really neat evolution of a friendship, a mentorship, you know, and friendship and, and it goes both ways now, you know, which is really the cool, true evolution of mentorship, in my opinion. I think that mentorship to friendship or maybe colleague is somewhere in the mix there uh, is really interesting. And, you know, a couple of things that you touch on, obviously being connected with the NSCA headquarters. One of the cool things about that is it connects you with the history of our field and our field's not that old, you know, it goes back to, to the seventies when it got organized and that history, you know, for young coaches seems prehistoric but for but for us sort of in the middle of our careers it's it's tangible and we can relate to a lot of those lessons learned and it's pretty cool when you can connect with well the Boyd Epley you know gets credited as the founder of the NSCA and the field and the profession and and hear the things he was thinking about when the NSCA first started and I think of I remember he would talk about, you know, the 78 original members and he joked that anybody in the room counted from the from the exhibitors to the wives to, you know, the the people working at the hotel, like anyone who was there happened to be a member just because they they were trying to grow and build support and just uh it's pretty cool to look at it now when our when our network is over 60,000 strong and just to see that growth over time. You mentioned a lot of uh, key names and mentors. Uh, Joe Ken, you know, talk about someone who just cares about the profession so much. Uh, another name, you know, Ron McKeefrey is a is a coach. I can think of so many people who have been mentored by him yeah. uh, coming up as GAs. And that sort of brings me to this other uh, connection, more towards the mental health and sustainability of the profession that, you know, there's a strong push in this profession that we have to pay our dues. We have to put the time in and it's long hours. Uh, a lot of times it's low pay. Whole staffs can get wiped out with coaching changes. There's a lot of challenges associated with that. And we look to our mentors, the people that that guide us for advice at these times of how to navigate some of these challenges Connor, you know, speak to some of the roadblocks, challenges, stressors that you've had just kind of navigating the early part of your career with some of the different stops, share that and we can, and then we can relate it to the field as a whole. Yeah. So I, the, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about kind of the biggest roadblocks in the early part of my career would uh, be when I started at Texas Tech, um, that was my first full-time position. So I had never, uh, I was a part-time with University of Tennessee and, you know, I had um, cheerleading and uh, that was about it. I was the assistant for every other uh, program. So I had never really had a full program where I was integrated um, in to that level. And so I got to Texas Tech and uh, it was during COVID. So I was kind of tucked away in a hotel for the first couple of weeks that I was there. Um, I wasn't really able to spend time with the coaches or the players and get to know them. And so it was a, it was a stressful time. And then uh, unfortunately the um, staff that I was hired by was actually let go within the first three weeks of me being there. Uh, and so that was a really daunting task for me to undergo because all of a sudden it was 
uh, you know, three weeks with me being there was myself and our athletic trainer uh, acting as the director of ops, assistant coaches, doing every role possible. And, you know, my experience with basketball growing up was I pretty much fouled out every game in eighth grade. And, you know, I didn't really do much else. So um, I was kind of at a loss. And, you know, we talk about the importance of mentorship. I mean, I, I'm forever indebted to Dan Worth, you know, because of how much I would was able to reach out to him and call him and ask him questions on just silly stuff, you know, um, but things that he was really willing to be there for me and, and help me out in a ton of ways. And so um, it was difficult because I hadn't really even gone through that relationship building process and uh, with, with teams before. And, and all of a sudden I'm doing it with the team where I'm the only coach that's there. And it, and it took yeah. a couple of weeks for a new head coach to come in. So that was by far and away, probably one of the most stressful points in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also one of the times that I grew the most because um, I had to go through that challenge, but also because I had the help from Dan. Um, and then, I mean, talking about paying your dues, I think that's something that a lot of coaches that uh, are in my age range struggle with, you know, because there is uh, a large mental health movement of knowing your worth and, um, you know, getting paid for what you do. Um, and I think it's a great movement that, that needs to happen and making sure that these interns are able to actually do what they need to uh, or are compensated in order to be able to continue with their profession. Um, but I mean, my first two years, I worked for completely free and I was actually paying to be there because of student loans. So um, that was definitely a challenge. Uh, and I think, the people that really helped me out the most were the coaches who showed me that we're supposed to be having fun as well when this is happening. Um, it's not a everyday process where you're supposed to grind and everything's supposed to be uncomfortable. You can have fun. It's a very fun profession overall. Um, and so I worked with Craig Fitzgerald at university of Tennessee football. And I think anybody who knows him knows that he's, he's uh, a guy who likes to have a lot of fun. Um, and he can also work really hard at the same time too. Um, and so paying your dues was tough, but being surrounded by younger strength coaches who had similar visions and then working with uh, older coaches who were able to kind of remind us that, you know, we're supposed to enjoy the profession we're within was a big piece of that. I, I like that you, you really touched on something that I think strength coaches identify with really well is that stress and adversity equate to growth in the long term. And that's something that I think there's this investment mentality and strength and conditioning of, I know this is going to be a challenging internship or a challenging timeframe for uh, just paying rent or whatever it may be, but it's going to be worth it uh, on the back end. And uh, I'm also glad you mentioned Coach Worth, Tennessee. I've heard phenomenal things about him and had the opportunity to talk to him on the phone a few weeks back. Ryan Metzger. 22 assistant strength coach of the year, uh, recently went over there from Clemson and just had a great conversation with them. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the cool things about this role at the NSCA is a lot of these conversations come full circle and, uh, you just hear about a lot of phenomenal coaches in the field that have a huge impact, not just on our athletes, but fellow coaches, Scott, I want to ask you sort of a similar question. Uh, you've been in, couple different director roles now, and this connects to the leadership side of running a department, coaching athletes. What are, what's the most stressful part of your job and how do you overcome that stress? Oh man, tough question. What's the most stressful part? Um, you know, and I don't like, I feel like I have, uh, one, I have, a. I feel like I have a lot less stress in division three than I did in division one. Um, 
I think it's an evolution of your career growth and what you want out of it, you know, so I shouldn't just say um, that it's just because of that, but, you know, being, being a director for 22 teams and having one full-time assistant, you know, our, our hours could get pretty long and that can be stressful. I think it's, it's important to be able to, you know, set boundaries and have coaches know that, you know, and have support from, you know, luckily we have super support from that AD and pre even presidential level of what we're doing here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to have that, le that level. And I, I mentioned the president a lot and people are always like, wow, that's impressive. You know, like, you know, he, I, I, he actually, you know, and that's one of the benefits again, of being at a smaller school, right. Uh, he picked us up Alfie, Alfie and I, my uh, therapy dog and I on the way to work yesterday and drove us in on his golf cart. Right. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens on a regular basis around here. Um, but I think it's easy, you know, I, I started and, and some people who know my story were like, I started when I got out of the military was on, I started in the strength conditioning field. So, you know, I, I graduated college when I was 30, my bachelor's when I was 30. So I got, I was behind the eight ball in a lot of aspects, you know, in this field. And I think I get, I, I, I feel like it's a double-edged sword with the whole working for free versus not right. Like I, and I, and I wouldn't say it because I did my time and I do, I put my dues in. I don't say everybody has to, I think, I don't know that that's the right answer, but I do know that I was, I was brought up and the way that I was brought up, like I knew people that worked two or three jobs and it wasn't uncommon for like, the, it, you did what you had to do to make, to make your way. And, and what I saw it as was, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get to where I want to go in this field. Right. And if that meant that I had to pick up a bartending job or work at a private sports performance place and volunteer at Dartmouth college, which I did volunteer with football for an entire year before I ever got paid, you know, I, and I was go, I was, uh, I was there at five o'clock in the morning to, you know, early morning football lifts. And I was going to a private center to work during the day and train clients and, athletes in the afternoon and coming back for a team at night at Dartmouth like when I look back at some of those years it's like holy cow how did you even do that you know but I have no doubt that all of those things uh, are what are what set me up for the position and the place that I'm at today you know what I mean yeah it, the thing that made me laugh you talked about Alfie your dog I think this episode could uh really benefit from a uh quick list of benefits from having your dog in the weight room if anyone yeah. follows Scott on Instagram uh, Alfie's a big part of that Norwich University strength and conditioning program uh yeah. what kind of uh what kind of role does Alfie have Scott yeah, I mean, I 100, I would 100% advocate for uh, athletic departments, you know, getting on board with having animals around more often. We're, we're super fortunate. She is actually a certified therapy dog uh, that we just did that this summer. She's got a certificate and everything. Uh, so it's, it's official, but like, it's a game changer, you know, I mean, again, we're at, you know, we're at, a, we're at schools where kids are away from home, they're away from their family pets, they're stressed out for whatever reason. And, you know, and having a, a 
dog to, that just wants some attention and love from them makes everybody's day change automatically. You see the face as soon as you walk in, just even if they just see the dog, right? That's like in the corner. But, you know, I think that's the other thing too, right? All stress is stress. So like, I think part of this too is how we're, how we can educate ourselves. And, I, you know, I've been thinking about it in terms of how I talk to some athletes about wearables and different things and understanding like, hey, just because you're getting that feedback that you're stressed out, your sleep was bad, whatever. That doesn't mean that we just shut off and like, we have to go back to bed today, right? Like what that means we need to figure out what are the tools and resources that we're giving you to turn today around, right? I realized today, now I just, I just saw that on my wearable, whatever. Okay. What do I need to do now to take care of myself to make this day even better because I'm now aware of it doesn't mean I can't train and I can't do anything else today. it means I need to be aware of how to better manage my day to turn this into a better score but and if a therapy dog can help with that uh I'm all for it <laughs> yeah I think that's always cool seeing your Instagram feed seeing uh just seeing what the athletes are doing I'm obviously from Vermont and so it it brings me back uh used to play against Norwich back in my days at St. Lawrence so pretty cool having you there Connor, I want to ask you, you know, what are some of the other challenges that you see for strength and conditioning coaches in the field and for young coaches looking into the profession, you know, what are the things they should know uh, to prepare themselves for some of these challenges? Yeah, so I think um, I was just on the phone the other week with uh, somebody who's getting their first full-time job and one of the things I told them, I just said, you know, I'm going to tell you this right now so that when you experience it later, you're not going to um, feel upset or you're going to recognize, like Connor already told me this was going to happen, that um, I think a lot of times it's something I struggle with, too, is um, wondering if what I'm doing is good enough or um, if it's accurate or if it's helping the athletes as much as possible. Uh, but I think there's this big push on social media to post everything that everybody's doing. And sometimes it can look like really high level stuff. And um, my programming itself is very basic. And so sometimes I'll look at that and I'll say to myself, you know, is this, is this good enough? Am I doing enough for the athletes? Is my program at a high enough level? Um, and I, I, once again, going back to mentorship, that's where I can really lean on my mentors for um, a big help from them. Um, and I think the biggest lesson I learned throughout this process is that you just need to be genuine um, and you need to do what you believe in. So, I mean, I, I run basically five, three, one and a little bit of triphasic and I just stick with that. Um, and, and I've noticed that, uh, when I try, um, when I try to step out or if I do something that I just saw on Instagram, people will get a lot of questions or it doesn't, it doesn't seem, um, like I fully bought into that process, if that makes sense. And I think the biggest thing is that athletes understand when you're being genuine and, and when you're not being genuine. Um, so I, I think don't be influenced by what you see everybody else posting or, um, you know, I think, uh, like Pitt has an amazing Instagram, uh, university of Pittsburgh. And, and sometimes I see that stuff and I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm getting blown out of the water by Pitt right now, you know, but, um, don't let that doubt what your own abilities are and don't let that, uh, interfere with what you believe in and what your program is. I like that. You know, we're talking about mental health and touching on that, but we're not really talking about it in the way that shies people away from the topic, you know, mental health can turn people off. You start thinking of, um, you know, hospitals or doctors or um, just being kind of pushed out of the team environment of, oh, this person can't cut it or hang with 
with what's going on. We're, we're actually talking about resilience, setting and achieving goals, working hard, you know, all the things we value as coaches and trying to find ways to stay on course and not get distracted from those things. Self-doubt can, can do that at times. Like you mentioned, the just things you see on social media can derail you from your goals or, or where, where you want to be. And I think maybe that's one of the true benefits of athletics that we aim to uphold in our athletes as strength coaches, you know, we're behind the scenes, we're pushing, uh, pushing athletes, we get to see them at their breaking point more often than you ever get to see on, on a sport field. And, uh, I just think that's so valuable that we almost reframe the mental health topic in sport to be productive and positive and actually get back to performance on the field. Scott, I want to ask you kind of from a leadership side, and this may relate some to your experience at the NSCA, a thing I like to say is that we want to develop young coaches to become leaders in the profession. Uh, We've all been in that seat where we've had lofty goals in the profession or seen job descriptions that we weren't ready for, but we aspired towards, Uh, you know, as leaders, as mentors, how should we help guide young coaches in a way that's it's healthy considering mental health and well-being and most beneficial to their development as professionals, but as people in general. Yeah. And well, first I want to just say off of what Connor was just saying too, I think that exact uh, feeling or thinking, you know, is exactly why mentorship is so important, right? Like we, we all have that uh, and right. Whether we call it imposter syndrome or, you know, I feel like, if you don't have a little kind of healthy dose of that sometimes, right, that, that maybe that maybe you're not keeping yourself in, in check, but like you have, you have mentors that you can go back to and they reinforce the fact that what you're doing, Connor, is perfectly, right? It's, it's what you need to be doing. And they're, they're supporting that when you're having these offline conversations with them and you can ask them about other stuff that you saw on in, in social media or something, right? That, maybe made you think uh, that that was, oh man, I can't believe we, our training sucks, right? Look at what those guys are doing. Oh gosh, right? And like, uh, you got to remember that part um, that, you know, you you have the, and it, it's partially like, again, kind of self-confidence and learning some other tools that might help support that. But like, I, I laugh because I kind of, when I saw that, uh, on the show notes I thought about that and I was like I was waiting for 10 years for someone to show up at NSCA headquarters one day and be like wait that's that guy from Vermont like he get him out of here like he's not supposed to be there (laughs) you know um but you can't let that stuff uh sink in too deep right and I think that's the key part of why we need to why we need young people who are interested in this profession to seek out and find mentors that are going to kind of set them on the right path and set them up with success in that, whether that be, uh, you know, you need X, Y, Z, right? Okay. Well, yeah. Tell me what your aspirations and your goals are. Right. And then those of us that have been in the field, all right, we can, we can help point you. Is there, is there a specialty certification that you need, to support you in whatever that path might be, or 
is it not that is it you know what you actually do need some different experience coaching with some maybe it's a different team what it you know what if you've never worked with a female team before and now we need to gain some sort of experience in how um in how you interact with those groups of people um i think you know that's where just that mentorship initially finding somebody that you can connect with and and maybe you know it's again it, it there could be different levels like it might just be reaching out to someone that you uh, look up to right and you're trying to ask them some questions and just interview them and you know maybe who knows those conversations can sometimes lead to mentorship and I think that's the thing I would tell younger people too is don't be afraid to reach out to people especially in today's day and age of social media where it really is a good opportunity to reach out um, you know again I think having a professional uh, in a professional presence on social media is important if you're a young coach and and you know trying to show them that having that professional page you know can, can be separate from your personal page and you can still keep stuff that you want to keep with your friends on there but like being able to show that helps grow your grow yourself in a in a different way where people because again we know and if we're hiring people all of us on this right the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go start looking at their social media right now right so it's important that we kind of build these things in and then i think too just having like i said resources to know how to manage uh mental health challenges and stress whether again whether you talk about breathing meditation you know um, whatever those avenues are and again those are two that i just mentioned off the top of my head that i'm into um, I try to utilize those to help me as much as I can. So, you know, what other tools can we help put in front of these young people to help them be successful? But definitely, you know, letting them know that like we all struggle with thinking someone else's social media is better than ours or they're putting out more content or like, yeah, I see videos sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, um, I can't believe like I saw uh, this friend of mine, uh, Ariana Luther, right? Miami. She's been putting out some crazy reels lately. And I'm just like, God, I suck at Instagram. This like, I can't, I couldn't do that. Right. Like they're <laughs> unreal. <laughs> so it's just knowing, but that's okay. Right. Like I'm still, um, you know, I know that what I put out there is, is helpful to some people. And I think that's the important thing is just knowing, knowing what, you know, um, that you're still the expert and you know most probably more than 99% of the population and just to keep that in your back pocket when you're going into these situations especially if you might feel um not up to you know maybe not up to the right level or you know maybe you're not qualified is just you know remembering the experience and education that you've had that that you are qualified to talk about this or do this job and that's important too from what Scott was saying, you know, there's um, a distinct phone call. I remember with Dan um, where we were kind of discussing a problem I was having at the time with one of the teams I was working with. And I remember getting really upset. And um, just when Scott says that you're the expert, that's exactly what Dan told me, you know, and, and it was, you're the one who they are looking to pro provide that expertise and they want to know what your opinions are. They don't, you don't have to say, I think, or I believe, or it's, you know, what the best uh, order of operations or process is in that exact scenario. So you're the expert in that situation and anybody. And I, what I really appreciate about 
my relationship with Dan is um, he keeps it real with you, and, but he's so nice. He's like the nicest human being you've ever met. And I'm sure you've noticed on the phone. Um, so I just remember we were talking and he goes, well, Connor, you know, you do have some softer tendencies, you know, <laughs> and so it's the nicest way anybody's ever called me soft in my life. But I think with how that happened, um, you know, that, that uh, what I appreciate about the mentors I have is that they'll be honest with me and let me know when it's kind of on me, you know, all the problems I was kind of creating a problem for myself there by not being confident, by not approaching it like I was the expert. And that's what really helped me in that early part of my career. Going back on, you know, Scott, you said, be proactive in reaching out to people. And and the goal of that is to build your support network and going off what Connor said of building confidence from that support network and not letting things like social media, because we get so much more information now. It's not like back in the day where if there wasn't a book on the topic or you didn't find the right article on it, you kind of had to work through it for yourself and figure out what worked and you went to more practical administrative things for your institution. There's so much information now. Well, that can either build confidence confidence in what you're doing or it can chip away at it. Um, I want to go back on an episode we had on the podcast with Angelo Gingerelli. And a lot of times when we talk about social media on a podcast, it's, man, you got to get off there. There's so much, you know, it's a distraction from what you do. But he was so excited about just all the free information that's available today, that if you can frame that in a positive way for your confidence, for how that can influence your program, how that can influence um, your relationship with athletes at your institution, it really can be a positive. So maybe one of the things we need to do as strength coaches is actually reinforce that filter we have for information because it's so much, it's, it's so relevant today where we were just happy to get information before a mentor was just so welcome to us that anyone who was pouring into us, we just welcomed, but maybe that filter now is, is a little more relevant because we have to now frame it in a way that that keeps us positive. that keeps us confident. that keeps us uh, taking our environments forward. What do you guys think about that? Well, I like it. I mean, I think when I think about, when I first was getting in the profession, I had to learn how to Olympic lift and I was trying to seek out, you know, a way to learn that. And I was driving from Central Vermont to St. Albans. Eric knows Vermont geography. Sorry, Connor. But uh, like, so I was literally driving like two and a half hours every uh, weekend to go meet this experienced Olympic weightlifter to get you know, I couldn't, there was no opportunity, there was no possibility to Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Like I could, I guess I could have ordered some VHS tapes probably somewhere. Right. And done it. But like, I think that just, that is just a different, like people don't have to do that anymore, you know, um, to some degree, you know, there's so much more where it's at your fingertips. So I think, yeah, having a mentor who's able to direct you in the right uh, arenas or, areas that you want to be involved in and I think it's too is you know there are other aspects where you're just going to seek out and find some new stuff and new people and then you're going to have to vet that as to whether they really are legitimate or not you know and maybe that's bouncing it off mentors or different people as well 
you know, I think that that mindset is exactly how you grow and having your growth mindset and understanding and seeing this new information and not seeing it as something that somebody's doing better than you, but as something that you can learn from. Um, and I think that the biggest issue and kind of what I mentioned previously is, you know, I, I would see what other people were doing on social media and I would get upset about it because I was like, my program is not at that high level. It was because I'm competitive. Like, I, I, I mean, I think everybody in college athletics wants to be the best, you know, and, and I want to be the best strength coach out there. So if I see somebody doing something else, I would take it as like, man, I'm not good enough. And instead, you should take a mindset and an approach where it's OK, how can I learn from them to incorporate that into my program? Or is this something that will fit with us so that I can get better from here? Mentorship, it's truly a calling of strength and conditioning coaches to connect with your athletes deeper than just reps and sets. That's something we talk about a lot, but I, I don't think it ever gets old that that's our role. That's we're the ones there when the coaches are out recruiting season, uh, making the making sure the team's ready for the following year. Uh, I think mentorship uh, can really reinvigorate your energy level at say mid career or later in your career when when you're further out from that initial drive to get into the strength and conditioning profession, you know, we, I had a coach once that one of his big advice points was always, you know, go back to your why, go back to your beginning, why you got into this profession. Uh, because at certain points you get so distant from that, that your, your why changes or other things in your life take hold, uh, relates to some of the stress points and things that we talk about. But, uh, I think that, mentorship really as a calling for strength coaches to connect back to your why find a new why whatever it is that keeps you pushing in this profession because that that energy is important for what we do it's important we have energy in front of the room it's important we can connect with our athletes that on their level and and we know our athletes have to bring the energy so uh, that's just something i think about that our confidence all the things we've talked about today is is really important to this profession, how we maintain that um, and sustain that, make this profession more sustainable. Last thing I really want to talk about with you guys is sustainability of this profession. It can touch a little bit on the mental health side of things, but really when we get into this field, you know, our eyes are wide open. We're, we're so excited about the prospects of what is coming down the road and the types of positions we have. Uh, when hardship comes or you're having to move or you have a family or different, different factors, right. For different people, uh, you know, what are, what are the key challenges that coaches need to be aware of that need to think about that, uh, you know, that, that can keep the field moving forward and, just some of the areas we can work on from the NSCA that can help help these areas. I think one of the things that I think of sometimes, I think you have to understand, and and I I would hope that people understand that if you're getting into coaching, it is a non-traditional profession, right? Like you are gonna have different working hours and travel, et cetera, than typical professions. So I think for me, it's important that we remember like all sport coaches have this 
crazy schedules potentially right and a strength conditioning coaches too and and i am i hate the fat like i hate being around to do nothing so i like i am big uh you know if if we're gonna be there and we have to be there there's a reason for it but if we don't have to be we are not gonna be there right and so i think being able to set a boundary like that but just understanding i think it's important to understand like look you're not getting into a monday to friday nine to five job and i think that's important to understand because if you don't you're gonna be really upset you know you're gonna have a real rough awakening when you get to a position where uh you want to go home at five and that's just not the way it is you know i mean um, uh, my current, the way set up that way we do things now, I'm like the second shift. So I work basically like 12 uh, noon to 8 p.m. most days during the school year. Um, and that's just the way that we structure things with two of us so that we can keep the facility open the longest amount of time and get served the most athletes. But like, I kind of dig that schedule right now. And like, I hadn't, I haven't done that in a long, long time, but I'm kind of loving the, the way that it works like that right now. And so, you know, um, I think it's important to understand like what you're getting into for, for one thing, but it is also important to be able to have, you know, to, to be able to educate people and uh, about, you know, if, is it really necessary for you to be, there for different parts i think that one other thing i'll just mention on this is um, a long time ago i read uh, or listened to seth godin's the dip it's a book that he wrote it's a really short quick and easy one and um kind of basically the gist of it, it talks about like being on that plateau and you know that plateau for growth is you don't know at what point on this plateau you are before you hit that next uptick where you go up to the next level and and it's funny that i mentioned it now too with this what you guys talking about is i was chatting uh with the, our president last night i walk home i joke that i haven't sent a meeting with him on central street every now and then but like so literally like stop on his front porch just shooting the breeze and they're basically saying like something to the effect of like we're about to take off again here right and they were just they were saying like you can't go anywhere <laughs> for the next couple of years because she because it's about to pop off and we're about to take it to the next level and i just thought about that immediately and think about the dip and you don't know where you are along that path before you're going to take that next step up and so i think you know i used to say it to all the interns that we had at the nsca too don't give up what you want most for what you want now and i say that to myself every day now like when i just have an interesting or wild idea i keep myself in check by reminding myself hey don't give up what you want most for what you want now and that's an easy again we talk about instant gratification whatever kind of got to bring yourself back center whatever it takes that's kind of my mantra for that but like i i i don't know why that book spoke to me at that time but it reminds me of like kind of that period like you just don't know when you're going to hit that next growth period and sometimes you know sometimes you need to quit certain things but sometimes you need to stick it out until you hit that next uptick i like that you know you you keyed in on your second shift and i always thought of baseball like that it was sort of the 11 a.m to 11 p.m day and uh my in my mind the alternative was at the college level being sort of a 5 a.m 5 p.m strength coach you know to, you know working with teams around the class schedule and it's something that 
you know, at various points in your career, you might want to seek out an environment where you can thrive. You get experience where you can, but you seek an environment where you can thrive that gives you a, say, a nine to five that that fits where you're at in your life and other factors. And that can maybe reduce some of the stresses that that come with this profession. Uh, higher division, for example, isn't always a better job in this field. We can have a huge impact that, that really anywhere we are. Uh, Connor, I want to give you a chance to voice in on this. What are some areas you'd like to see the field grow and advance towards professional development and just uh, supporting coaches? Well, you know, I think that is kind of the big thing that a lot of um, coaches don't really know coming in is that hours piece um, and how much time you actually have to invest within it. Um, but, I, I, you know, kind of one of the biggest things that's helped me throughout that whole area was understanding, you know, how much of an effect we can have on the athletes that we work with and how much we can kind of help grow them. Um, and I think it's a, a mindset every day that you kind of have to approach, like we talked about earlier with the growth mindset, but also having a positive mindset. You know, you can, there's definitely plateaus. There's definitely some times where we hit five lift groups in a row and by the fifth lift group, I'm completely out of juice and I'm just low energy and it can get brutal. Um, but then you also have to understand that, you know, these are athletes who have dreams and they want to continue. A lot of them want to continue on to professional sports. A lot of them want to um, do great things in life, even if it's not related to athletics. And we see them probably more than the head coach will see them. Um, and that's a really big piece. And so we have to make sure that when we're discussing with them, you know, any life lessons or coaching them on a daily basis, that we're bringing uh, positivity and, and really a growth mindset for them as well, too. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes too, uh, recruiting visits get me a little excited because you get to meet their parents and you get to meet their family and understand that it's not all just about athletics. Um, it's about, you know, people growing overall throughout their own lives and understanding that these parents are trusting us to take care of their kids as much as possible and help them out as much as possible too. So um, I think that some people kind of ask for maybe less hours or a different work schedule, but I think ultimately, you know, I think it's a blessing to be able to spend all this time with these coaches and with these athletes and um, really have a second family uh, at your work as well, too. And I think that's different than a lot of other uh, fields that what they may experience. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think we, we tackled two topics, mentorship and mental health in a way that brings them together. I think they both could have been their own podcast in a way. Uh, but it's, uh, it's cool that we brought them together and really reframed it around the resilience and, uh, just drive that strength coaches have to make the, make the world a better place, make our institutions better. Uh, Connor, I want to start with you. If anyone tuning in wants to reach out or has any questions, what's the best way to do that? Um, you can definitely reach me on, uh, Instagram, which is just strength coach Connor, all one word. Um, uh, and then, uh, on Twitter, it's coach Connor. SC. Um, and then if you like funny videos, then you can follow me on TikTok, which is strength coach Connor as well. Um, but Instagram is my more serious of the two. <laughs> All right. So make sure to check out his TikTok. That's where the action's at, I think is what I'm hearing. Scott, how about you? We already mentioned your Instagram page. Can you uh, give us that? Yeah, definitely. No, no TikTok. I've, I've set that, I've set that boundary. I'm not going there. Uh, Coach Caulfield on Instagram. I spend way too much time there. But if you like, I tell people, if you like 
anything to do with strength and conditioning, uh, mountain biking, skiing, and dogs, you'll probably like the content I have available. Um, uh, congrats to, to Connor on the Gatorade uh, Pro Partner Captains Program as well. So, you know, I wanted to say that. Um, but yeah, uh, at Scott Caulfield on Twitter, I don't do much except listen to the people bickering on Twitter and uh, look for some news tidbits there. So <laughs> appreciate it. We took this episode all the way from VHS tapes, which we might need to define in the show notes all the way to TikTok. <laughs> so we really covered the full uh, the full spectrum here today, guys. Thanks for being with us. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. We would also like to thank Gatorade Performance Partner for fueling this episode and supporting important conversations to advance the strength and conditioning profession. If you'd like to learn more and join the Gatorade Performance Partner community, visit GatoradePerformancePartner.com. Also, thank you to Sorenex Exercise Equipment, a regular sponsor on the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We appreciate their support. Hi, coaches. I'm Leanne Blinn, the 2022 NSCA College Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year. You just listened to an episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear important conversations about the strength and conditioning profession. Don't miss an upcoming episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and comment on some of the highlights at NSDA's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also hear full episodes on the NSDA's newest channel, NSDA.tv. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.